Welcome back to A Bevy of Bloods for round 14 of the 2023 season. Today, Matt joins me for his first time as a bevy boy as we break down the Brisbane game where the boisterous Swans boys bring some better effort. So, fluff up your tail feathers and settle in for a potentially biased yarn about all things to do with our beloved Bloods. Okay, Swans fans, welcome to the podcast, our new Bob Brethren, Matt. Welcome. Thanks very much for having me, Chris. I love that use of alliteration in the intro, so well done there. Thank you, mate. It's uh, the only time I can speak properly is when I've written it down for myself. Uh, but uh, before we kick off, do you want to give uh, the crowd here a little bit of uh, knowledge about what you are, who you are, and how you love the Bloods? Sure, just very quickly, um, I've been following the, the Mighty Bloods ever since I was around probably six or seven. My dad was an old South Melbourne supporter who stuck fat when they moved up to Sydney. And I started following in around 1986, so they're actually doing quite well then. So I got to see those those great years, the Edelston years, and when Warwick Kappa was up and flying in his tight shorts. And I think the first game I went to was the final, the qualifying final against the Fitzroy Lions. And we almost won that. This was in 1986, but we lost by five points because Mickey Conlon had a, had a massive final quarter. And pretty much from that time, I was hooked. So I've been following them ever since then, seeing the highs and the lows. But yeah, just love them. That's awesome. Do you, are you like me? Do you want to see more tight shorts in the AFL? I want to see come back. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's sort of... Well, Warwick Kappa apparently had a theory about why he wore them was because one time he got dacked and his, <laughs> and his tackle was was in a pre-season match or something and his tackle was flying around and he's like, oh, this is never going to happen again. But I think I think he just wanted tight shorts, to be honest. I think that was just an excuse. But, yeah, probably don't want to see a rebirth of the tight... a renaissance of the tight shorts. But yeah. yeah, I think there's a good uh, sizing of the population that might disagree with you. I think they'd want to have them back, <laughs> but right. we'll leave we'll leave that there. Well, welcome for first time, mate. Well, let's smash through this potty. Um, before we kick off, uh, as always, and appreciate to everyone who's already done so, please make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple, uh, like us on your Facebook uh, pages, on Twitter and Instagram. It does make an enormous difference to our podcast. It's doing really well. and We're very appreciative of everyone who has. And so for those who haven't, please just take the extra second, do that if you like it uh, and let us know all about it. That makes a big difference to us. So. Right, let's get stuck into the game. So last Friday, our Sydney Swans were defeated by the Brisbane Lions by... I didn't write this down. Calm down, Barraza. By 16 points, uh, with the score being 12-9-81 to 13-19-97. So, Matt, do you want to kick off with your first impressions? Yeah, I would. Um, obviously, very tough assignment. Um, it was... Always going to be difficult, especially after the Lions got beaten by the Hawks. I guess embarrassed by the Hawks, really, at the MCG. And we know how good the Lions are at the Gabba. They're pretty much the so-called Gabbatoire. They are pretty much unbeatable there, except for in some finals. Over the last couple of years, they pretty much win every match there. So it was going to be a tough assignment with our outs as well. But I thought that we put in a really good showing. 
especially in the first quarter and a half. And we probably didn't get the score on the board that we really needed to um, when we were dominating the game. But I think we stuck it out for the whole match, even though the, the Lions eventually got on top and their class started to show. But I think overall it was one of the more pleasing losses for the year, if we can say that. Um, it's not a bad match to talk about because I think there were some positives in there. And I think, yeah, we can take some things forward from the match. Yeah, I agree with all of that. I was pretty... Watching the game uh, at the pub, um, we were all kind of, at the end of the game, obviously disappointed that we didn't get up. And we saw we had opportunities to do so, and we didn't necessarily take them. I mean, you can say the same thing about Brisbane with their 19 behinds. But I was very happy with the effort. I I felt that some players started really shining through, and we'll get into some of those. But, yeah, yeah, it kind of felt like we were frustratingly closer to a win than than ever before against such a tight opponent. Some... Errant kicks, some bad um, marks, some uh, bouncy stuff, some uh, poor timed 50 metres uh, penalties, just yeah. uh, unfortunately didn't get us over the board. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I actually did feel for a while that we could get this match done. You know, like I had that genuine feeling that we're a good chance to get over the line. I mean, it was early in the match still, it was before half time, but all of those positive signs were there, and even the commentators were really talking about how well we're playing and that if we maintained that pressure because we came with a lot of tackling pressure and really we're doing quite well at the the clearances as well and getting the ball inside 50 and dominating actually inside 50s up until that point. So I I had a really positive feeling, but I I knew that the Lions would always have their moment and they'd always come back. So... I didn't get too excited, but I was I was getting a little bit excited, I've got to say. Oh yeah, no, we were getting up and about it at the pub. We were like we could believe it, and then uh, but yeah, hey, like I said, by the end of the game, smiles all around. We're pretty happy with the way things were. Like there was a few a few things that I would love to point out. I think Cunners against Charlie Cameron was great um let's let's break down a couple of quick stats uh before we uh, as we get on with it so Mm -hmm. charlie cameron um averages about 10 and a half disposals per game he got seven so minus three Mm -hmm. he averages eight kicks per game he got three so that's minus five in that respect that's like 40 percent um handballs he was just about up uh marks he typically gets about three he got the one mark um he was on about on average on tackles and of course the goals the real meat of it he, he kicks about 2.6 and he only kicked the one behind mm-hmm. the entire game harry cunningham really did a great number on him what what did you see there mate oh yeah it was a magnificent performance by cunners um yeah really tough assignment charlie cameron's one of the most dangerous, if not the most dangerous, small forward in the game. Mm. And, yeah, and that, uh, interestingly, we seem to have his number. He doesn't actually play that well against us. I think um, his, his averages are all very much down in the last, uh, I think, seven or so matches that he's played against us. And I'm not sure if that's because I can't remember back to other matches whether Cunningham got the match up as well, but... Obviously, I think he's done it at least once before. And Horse also mentioned him in the presser. He was very happy with his job. And I think he really blanketed him. And he just wore him like a glove. Mm. Um, so Cameron, yeah, he, he didn't 
get much of the ball at all and didn't make an impact. And I think that's all you can really ask for from one of your small, smaller defenders. And I think Cunningham's had a bit of an up and down year, but he's pretty reliable. So I think, you know, Horst likes to put him on the team sheet and give him an assignment. And I think when he's got a very clear role, he can often fulfill that role really effectively. Yeah, and, and as Steve-O said a, a number of times as well, it's kind of, it's really hard for us to know what some of these players' jobs are, right? Mm-hmm. So they've got certain KPIs that need to be done throughout that game. It, you know, we, t- we we sit here and we talk about disposals and, and, and you know, tackles and, and, and marks and whatnot and goals and things that are very impactful to the flow of the ball in itself, but there's a lot going on around the ground that we may not see. And... We're not talking about Cunner's uh, possessions or touches or tackles. That's not it's, right now. We're not talking about it, and, he's, and mm. he did an amazing job. It was what he did off the ball um, that exactly. made a massive difference. So, yeah, big wraps for Cunner. Like you said, he's kind of been a little bit of the whipping boy. He's not had the best year, uh, in all fairness, but yeah, he had a, a stellar game and a, a huge, huge reason why we probably still managed to keep it within touch, I think. I yeah, think. that's right. And I, I think it is fair to point out that sometimes we really don't know what the role of a player is. And it's if the player's not getting a lot of the ball, we think that they're not having much of an impact. But yeah. they might actually be executing their role perfectly according to what their coaches have asked them to do. So, you know, Cunningham might be actually having a really good year according to what the coaches are expecting from him. We perhaps just expect something different as spectators and fans sometimes. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, I would love to see Cunners. Uh, he's kicked 50 goals for his career. Remember that he played forward for a couple yes. of games at the beginning yeah. of the season? Yeah. He kicked two or three that day? Or yeah, something. he kicked a couple, I think, in the first yeah. match of the year. Yeah, and we're like, oh my God, Cunners is going to do his second half as a forward. I mean, that didn't end up happening. He needed to help out in that uh, that back line when yes. that started getting decimated. He gets thrown around a lot, doesn't he? So yeah. Yeah, but Mr. Dependable, he's named that for a reason. Yet, yeah, I'm not saying he's not had an off year, but uh, yeah, looking this game in particular has been for sure, for sure, really good. good. Any right. anything you saw on your side, mate? That you bring up? Yeah, in terms of the the good. Mm. Yeah, I think. Um, well, I really liked Amadi's game. I thought that some of his contested marking was excellent. I think he 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 had the equal highest contested marks for the match um, with three. And he, and he took six grabs overall. And I just feel like he really threw himself into the contest. He made great contests even when he didn't mark the ball. He brought the ball to ground. Um, but he, some of those marks, you know, floating across the front of a pack or in front of a, an opponent were, were just, yeah, beautiful to watch. He's got a great leap. He's got good hands and he's, and he's effective at ground level as well. So I think, um, Obviously, we'd like him to be kicking more goals. I think we need that. But I think all around, his game was really good. He was getting inside 50 a fair bit as well. So I thought thought that was that was a positive. Um, some of the, the goals as well, we had a couple of exciting goals. You want to talk about the, the Braden Campbell one? Oh yeah, that massive bomb. So have we have we gone with Bazooka or Cannon for, for Braden or both? I don't know. <laughs> I think... Uh, both go well. I think actually one of the commentators referred to him as his kick as the cannon during oh, right. the match. So I right. so, need to go with that. I don't know. Yeah, all right. So Braden, Braden Campbell, Bazooka Cannon, uh, <laughs> with that massive kick from inside the center square. Like he punted that a good 70 meters. And like not a soft one too. Like he 
Oh, it was a dart. Yeah. It was a dart. Yeah. That'd be a nice goal all around because it was well set up too because I think it was Rowie that got the clearance at the ground level. And his game was immense. I think we'll talk about it in more detail, right? Yeah, yeah, but, we will. Um, he got the ball out some really annoying Indian minor birds outside. Yeah, they're going out of... Nice, so if you hear them, sorry. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> Don't have a good mic here. I can even get my Bluetooth headphones to work. But... um. Yeah, Rory gets it out, then then Wicks does this sort of little clever toe poke mm. to Campbell on the run, and he just scoops it up and, and bombs it from well outside of 50. So, yeah, that was beautiful. He, he's one of those players, when he's when he runs, he's actually quite clean with, with grabbing the ball off ground. Like, he's he's got so many skills that I'm watching. I'm just like, damn, this kid doesn't really put too much of a foot wrong. Like, he's kicked a few out and whatever, but... yeah. He just seems when he goes at the ball, he goes at full speed. He does not hold up. Like he's ready. He's a hundred percent at AFL speed, and yeah. an opportunity to, for him to see more of the ball. I will take that. I'm very yeah. excited about him. He reminds me a bit of Goulden in that way, in that he's he's small, but he's he's a real contested player. I mean, he's good on the outside, but he's also good. Um, at, well, I mean, I think he took a bit longer than Goulden to to sort of get stronger and more physical but I think now his contested game is 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 almost as good as his outside game as well which is which is great to see yeah and the two of those we all know how good ever is we'll, we'll talk mm. about him again but um the two of them in terms of running effort I'm definitely noticed noticing by this time of the year I'm seeing them everywhere like I'm not yeah. just seeing them cheating in the halfback or sitting outside the role they they are running super hard in defense and then they're going hammer and tong to make an opportunity going forward That's so cool. like it, it is the, the core of a good AFL player is obviously your skill sets and your brains but like that effort is there with the two of them yeah. we are blessed by having these two kids being oh, in the team and, and I think they could both go well on the wings at the moment as well in case mm. You know, we, we need them to play there on the outside. I think now that Campbell's sort of coming out of the, the defensive 50 a bit now and he's being moved up the ground, he's playing a bit more on the wing, and I think that's a role that he can play very effectively. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I'll pick up another good stat that I saw, the ruck situation. Mm. The ruck situation has been pretty touch and go this whole year uh, Hickey being out for a while at the beginning and then having to rely on Laddams then when Laddams and Hickey were both back into the team Laddams gets himself injured and he's been out since yeah. we've since used stretch uh, we've tried to find out other opportunities Hickey's not been him same he, he, himself rather has not been the same this year but this week um, I felt was quite good so a couple of the stats for the lads generally in the contest is bring them up um, yeah Hickey with uh, 77 rock contests um, Hayden McLean with the 25 and Joel Amadi with 11 so the majority of work being done by Hickey and then another like what's that give or take uh, 15% done by mm-hmm. Hayden another like uh, 10% done by Amadi give or take um, Hickey with the 44% uh, hit-out win to advantage. Uh, sorry, no, just hit-out win, rather. Mm-hmm. And 40% for Hayden McLean uh, wins. And uh, the measly 15 or so for Amadi. But the ones I'm looking at is Hayden McLean and Tom Hickey. Pretty good at numbers there. And Hayden McLean continues his run of, like, over 40% hit-out win um, in the chop out, he's getting more and more opportunities in a ruck contest. It's been slowly creeping up, and I am starting to see a role where he is really making a massive run for it. 
We don't know what that looks like when Laddam comes around. That's obviously going to shake it up. I don't know whether he, he keeps, uh, but he's doing a good job. And wherever we put him, he seems to be trying really hard and slowly progressing in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah, I think he, he just always gives you 100%. Um, he's a real competitor. And so if we need him up forward, he'll always be creating a contest. If he's not marking it, he's bringing the ball to ground. Uh, when he's in the ruck, you know, he might be a bit undersized at times, but he he really competes hard. And when he gets his hands to the ball, he actually does have very good hands, doesn't he? I think yeah. as much as we, we like to complain about Dermy, he was big on McLean early on. I think he did some coaching with Hados when he was a junior. Saw him develop a bit, and yeah, he was big on on actually the fact that he was a good ruck and that he had really good hands. So those sort of stats of his sit outs to advantage kind of bear that out a bit, don't they? Yeah, and it's good to see, it. and we need the bloody help, right? So oh, big time. Yeah, <laughs> desperate for a bit of something there going there. Yeah, yeah. Anything else you've got on your two points? Yeah, yeah. I one thing I wanted to talk about was that our pressure was really good in the match, and I think. You know, we always play a high-pressure game, and, and part of that's, I think, the fact that we tend to have games at times that have got a lot of stoppages and are a bit more congested. But um, we we actually were very effective with our pressure and our tackling, especially early on in the match. And overall, we had 71 tackles, and that, that was more than the Lions. Um I don't have the stats here, but it was considerably more than the the Lions. And we also had 15, sorry, 14 inside 50 tackles as well. And I think that's a number that's been a bit down this year. We haven't been able to lock the ball in our forward 50 and really put pressure on the the opponent's uh, defence. So that was good to see. And I think it was working in our favour early on. Um, but, yeah, I'd like to see us bring that every week now and really start to put a lot more pressure on the opposition defences and really kind of try to get those repeat entries and hopefully get some more reward for those entries as well. Yeah, no, good shout. The tackles was 71 to 59, so plus 12 in our way, which is great for us because um, we've actually been we've been very low, especially in the tackles inside 50, and we actually got uh, 14 for the game, uh, and our average has been 10 for this year, which is That's not right. great. So positive signs, um, especially against a team that is particularly good um, yeah. with the ball. Got to make sure they shake them up. That's right. I think, I mean, that's what we try to build our game on is, is pressure, and I know that's something that... Horse particularly always emphasises is that our game is built on pressure and sort of all of the attacking flow and flair is is basically built on our defensive foundation. So if we have that pressure game high and where our tackles are effective and we're you know we're committing all of our pressure acts and we're just putting a lot of pressure on the ball carrier, then we can force those turnovers, then we can capitalise and score. It's just unfortunate at the moment that we're not really capitalising on our, on, our, on our turnovers as much as we'd like to. Yeah, yeah. Going inside 50 is still a problem for us. There's no doubt about it. Definitely. We're still not getting the proper run of it. I think we kicked efficiency 39%, which is... Right, 39. Yeah, which is down from our average for the years 40-something, 40 44, 47 or something like that. Yeah. Um, which is pretty poor anyway. <laughs> and then we're going in down further again. But... 
Ah, it's just we're getting the ball in there. I mean, we had yeah. we had fifty six inside fifty, so that's decent. They had sixty six, but there, yeah, you said as you said, we were at thirty nine percent efficiency inside fifty, and they were at fifty three percent. So yeah, and I and I maintain that we're talking about a forward line that's not really gelling, right? Yeah, we Buddy is in there just slamming out his last stats. Not that he's a guy that's necessarily driven by stats, but I, it wouldn't surprise me if this year he was. Um, but, and we've you know we've lost Amadi came in uh, lost him Logan's been yeah. getting better lost him Hayden McLean's been thrown around different parts of the game depending where we need him so big wraps on him uh, we've thrown in Francis who's he's been, played his entire career as a backman and then just got thrown in forward during the VFL for the Swannies because we really had no one else to throw it forward and we're giving him a shot at it yeah. um, and then pa- uh, sorry Papley's been well off um, yeah. the, the marker. Um, and then Wixie's been out, and we don't really have a whole bunch of other names. Shel- uh, sorry, um, Sheeda, who was playing a little bit, and he started getting a bit better, got yeah. you know injured. And so we've had a forward line that's just really struggled, man. Like um, Heaney's been thrown into middle to get him some more of the ball to get some impact around. And so it can only get better, is I guess what I'm suggesting to everyone. Like I think we are at the lowest point of gelling as a forward line. But with some of those young boys, they're going to see a lot more time. So I'm referring to Logan. I'm referring to Buller, uh, Sheila when he comes back. Um, mm. You know, some of those boys are going to start walking in and start seeing more time. We might start seeing uh, a team that really gels, uh, and I'm excited about that. Those inside 50s efficiencies will start you know, climbing up. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I think part of that's been their changing personnel with, as you said, all those outs that we've had and the, the sort of movements that we've had to make with players going forward. Um, you know, even rely on someone like Francis, which isn't ideal. Luckily, we don't really have to do that anymore, although he, he did end up forward at one point during the match. Yeah, to help um, out. <laughs> took a nice mark and missed the goal. But, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting watch for the rest of the season when we start getting our first-choice forward line together. So when Logan's back... It'll be interesting to see what our forward setup looks like because McLean's done a done a pretty good job while he's been out, um, and Amadi looks good already after coming back, is sort of picking up that form that he had before he got his injury. Mm-hmm. And Buller's Buller's an interesting one. I think he competed for his first game. He competed quite well. He he didn't get much of the ball, but he showed that he, he's quite physical. And I think he just needs a bit more time just to, I guess get his fitness up to the level of, of the AFL and also probably learn our, our systems as well, our offensive and defensive systems. So, yeah, I think that the future looks pretty good for the rest of the year. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we're obviously down. Uh, we're not necessarily writing off finals yet, but I, I think if you're a Benny man, you would. Uh, yeah. But that's not so much important. Even if we did go through finals, how deep would we get? It's about what are we going to do with what the team we have now. And uh, just being honest with ourselves, we've got some young guys that are looking good and we probably need to fill it up a bit more in the off-season still. So we'll figure that out. Yeah, that's right. Um, one of the things in the bad category was definitely the 50-meter penalties um, and just the general free-kick goals that we give away. Like. Mm-hmm. Too, too often. Um, let's not talk Saints game because we've gone over that and that was just poor. But uh, yeah, just giving away free kicks at the wrong time or the wrong place as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And I mean, I think we kind of probably do have to bring, 
the Saints game, unfortunately, because we've done twice in a in a row now, and Horse actually did mention that in the press uh, as well that it was a similar pattern to last week when we were actually doing well, and then the table started to turn when we gave away some free kicks. Now I'm not going to say all of those free kicks were our fault, yeah, because there were some very iffy umpiring decisions there. But for example, the the glaring one was Wicks. You know that was clearly. A 50 and a reportable offence and you got two weeks, yep. which I think is probably deserved. That was just ill-discipline, you know. Mm. But um, that just sort of got them back into the game, some easy, cheap goals. Maybe they'd get back into the game anyway, but it just doesn't help your cause, does it? No. No, it's just you don't want that. You don't want to give them away, especially when they turn against you in, in, in turn, you know, with scoreboard pressure. Um, but... A young team will probably do that to you. It'd be, I'd be more upset if it was. I mean, Buddy gives free kicks away mm-hmm. all day long, right? He's, I, I don't know about the stats, but I wouldn't mind doing it before he before he uh, <laughs> retires. But it wouldn't surprise me if he's up there in our for and against. He's pretty hilarious in that way. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a bit ill-disciplined. We know how bad we are in free kicks. So we're always at the bottom of the rung uh, mm-hmm. every single year. Uh, it'd be nice to kind of close it out. The, the pressure game that we play. Uh, allows for that. We may be late every now and then and put on the wrong hit, but the ones like Wixie, yeah, like tucking your elbow, mate, that's going to be a reportable offence all day long. It does surprise me, though, that he gets two weeks, yet Cozy Pickett ran at full pitch and drove his head straight into Bailey Smith, like mm-hmm. in the most egregious format that I've ever seen in my life. He gets three weeks, though. Like, I, I don't see them being right next to each other, but we'll leave yeah. that there. Yeah, we'll leave that there. Well, I, I, th- I think the outcome of the week's one wasn't that severe. It was, I think it was more just the look. They didn't like the look of it because it was an elbow. Yeah, and, and it was pretty poor. Like, um, it, it was, was. as soon as he saw it, I was like, yeah, that's one or two. That's for sure. But, but you know what was poor as well was was the interpretation of the, the insufficient attempt mm. or the deliberate, whatever they call it, deliberate out-of-bounds or insufficient attempt. There were just some random calls of that and inconsistent calls. And the one that really stood out to me was Rampy's, the goal against, well, I think it was um, Raynor maybe got the goal, uh, or it might have been Barry, I think, in the pocket. And Rampy sort of was on over the ball, and it was a contested situation. The ball was sort of slipping around. And he did, he, he did sort of tap it over. But the thing is, nine times out of ten, that won't get paid. And there was... One earlier in the in the same quarter, I think, where Harris Andrews maybe it was in the first quarter. Harris Harris Andrews, is that his name? Harris Andrews. Yep. Um, he just blatantly tapped the ball, double-handed, tapped it over the line, and nothing. And then Rampy just this tiny little single-handed tap over, and they get a goal out of it. So. Yeah, those sort of things are frustrating, but you, I guess you've got to just keep working hard and, and overcome that. But um, it doesn't help when you're at the GABA and you know that they're going to keep coming. Mm. You don't want to give them an opportunity at goal because they've got a good forward set. No, that's right. Uh, yeah, I don't like it. I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't want to go into necessarily get a tangent. I think this is something mm. for the postseason review, but I, I can probably suggest that the umpiring this year has been one of the poorer ones, the more inconsistent ones of. The, the modern years, as far yeah. as I can remember, and I and I don't know whether it's to do with the more umpire situation, whether the quality is lower, 
or whether it's just the interpretation of the game is given a bit more free flow or the fact that we don't have anyone that's actually in charge of all of these guys uh, at yeah. the moment with the guild situation heading off. It's a tricky one. Yeah. I, I, I kind of, I'm not sure if it's recency bias as well, but yeah. I do have that same impression that we're almost, and I haven't been watching as much footy this year because we've got a, a baby and it's just, <laughs> it's pretty hard to even just watch the Swans games, let alone the <laughs> matches. But, um, so whatever I'm watching, it's sort of interrupted and I see bits and pieces, but I, I had the impression that it's, it, it's really bad this year. And I, I, my theory, and it's probably bogus, but this is just my theory, is that because they now have four umpires, they, they actually have less quality umpires on the field because they've had to bring up umpires from, you know, maybe, I don't know where they came from. They retrained them from the VFL or whatever it is. But the standard, maybe there's always one one umpire or two umpires that aren't that good on the field. Plus, plus you know, everyone has to feel useful all the time because there's so many of them, so they feel like they've got to pay stuff all the time. And then the changing rules and interpretations just make it impossible for them anyway. So it's probably, you know, a combination of things that are really make it difficult to umpire at the moment. No, I, I agree. It's it's a it's a bloody hard game to umpire. Like yeah. I would not like their game, their their job. It would suck. It's hard. It's quick. The crowd is on you. Like trying to make a call against, say, Collingwood at, at the MCG on a Friday night, right? You're going to get booed to daylight. But yeah. it's but that's that's the kind of what you signed up for uh, in a way, kind of. I don't mm. necessarily agree that you should just cop abuse for no reason. It's a tough game, but like yeah. so long as they. This is the thing that I see. This is the way that I look at it. If it's acknowledged and they say, look, we're looking into it, you know, we're working on it, we're training up people, we're going to look at the rules, try to simplify them, you know, have some consistency. That's what I want to hear. I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily need someone to come out every week and go, yeah, we've got these three wrong and these two mm-hmm. correct, because it, it's inconsistent, but even on the field between umpire to umpire, and that's what mm-hmm. concerns me. So anyway. Yeah. I don't want to go too, da- too far down that rant. We're going to satisfy enough people. And there's no conspiracy theories here in proper Bob form. <laughs> no Any more conspiracy today, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> All right, mate. Favorite moments. Do you want to go through a couple of yours? Well, I think I accidentally jumped forward to that earlier when I was... No, but it's good. Campbell goal. Why Campbell goal. But that, that was just beautiful to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, just the whole setup, as I said, you know, Rowie to Wicks, that little toe poke, and then the, the big bomb from the cannon. But um, there was also another beautiful kick that he did later in the match. I think it might have been in the in the, the last quarter when he he, he hit up, um, I think it was, was it Papley? He hit up, I think. He was coming out of the defensive 50 and he just 50-metre bullet passed to, to Papley who then sort of wheeled around and then, uh, pass it forward to Hayward, and I think Hayward got a free kick, and I think we got a goal out of that. Mm. But um, that that was beautiful, just seeing his kick. It's it's as close as you get to footballing pornography. I think he's Campbell's, <laughs> Campbell's <laughs> left boot. Yeah. So anything that he does um, is always good to see. Yeah, that's it. I love it. Football pornography. Yeah, the old. <laughs> The old uh, bazooka cannon, love it. Um, I've got down the the Blakey getting his head smashed into the pole. Now, bear with me. I'm not suggesting I enjoyed seeing that, but what I like seeing, I saw two people in frame. I saw Charlie Cameron and Harry Cunningham. 
sprinting at full pitch back. And I was impressed about how far, because I know Charlie Cameron's quick. I've seen enough of him. I, I'm a big fan of him. He's an incredible player. Um, I know Cunners is kind of quick, but I didn't realize Cunners was that quick. Out of nowhere, in comes the Goanna at full pace, mate. And he, yeah. he I don't know how he beat them both to the ball, because he was well behind. And yeah, as far as his efforts was concerned, he got his head smashed into a pole for for his effort. But uh, superb and and nice of Charlie Cameron to immediately stop, like you know, look to this guy like, oh, I missed my opportunity, but then go straight over to Blake and go, like, you're all right, mate. There's nothing in that. Yeah, yeah, that was good to see. Yeah. And and yeah, it was desperation, wasn't it, from the lizard? It was sort of reminiscent of some of those efforts, those defensive efforts from last year, from Rampy and Fox running back. That's right. Um, so it just shows that the spirit's still there, and it's great to see leaders like. Blakey actually demonstrating leading by example and, and showing that no matter how poorly we're going this year, we're still going to put our bodies on the line for the cause. Yeah. Sign a big deal. Had himself not the best week last week, to be fair, but week two goes out there and throws his body at it. That, that's what you want to see. Right? Oh, he's, exactly. not, he's not cheaping out on the seven-year deal, kids. He is, he, he's, he is here to win. He's here to play. So that's good on him. That's right. Any other moments that you saw? Um, any other moments? Um, I'm just trying to think what else stood out. Um, kind of probably more, more was just sort of like the team stuff really, but Rowie, Rowie's sort of contested work, I think was really impressive, particularly early in the game. And the job that he was doing on Lockie Neal was, was exceptional. And he, I think last week he was the highest ranked player, wasn't he, on the field? He was, yeah. Yeah. And I think up until, Half time, or at least halfway through the second quarter, he was the highest ranked player on the field again. So Jam. it's good to see some consistency coming back into his game because his final series last year was exceptional. And I was thinking, this is going to be Rowie's year. He's going to really sort of build on that and become one of those sort of contested beast players that, you know, one of those. Like, I, I didn't think he was going to become an A-grader straight away, but, you know, just really continue that development. And he was just a little bit up and down this year, but it's, I mean, his pressure's always there, his tackling's always there, but I just wanted to see him get a bit more of the ball, and I think he's he's starting to do that. Um, so I think he got, you know, over over 20 possessions again. I think he got um, 23 or 24 possessions. Yep. 23. But um, he also had the equal highest tackles for the game, 11, and the most pressure acts, I think, for the game. So, yep. yeah, love, love what Rowie's doing at the moment, and I'm just hoping that, that that form continues because we really do need him at the cold face, you know, that grunt work that he does. It's really essential for us. Yeah, missing out on, on, on a big boy like Joey Kennedy. Um, you're never going to be able to make up a play like that, but what you can do is try to fill up their role with a few different players playing some possession, uh, some contested possessions, playing some hard footy. Uh, we, right. we, we, we might be able to create a shadow of him. Uh, we'll find yeah, out. It's pretty, pretty hard to fill his frame, isn't it? So yeah. he's, he's a Herculean individual. JPK, so. Yeah, yeah. The best shoulders in town. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, kill for those shoulders. I'm getting hot and flustered thinking about them right now. <laughs> All right, let's get stuck straight into the Bob medal. Uh, this is our equivalent of the Bob Skilton, of course. We give three, two, one points out to the best Swans players in each game. And then this week, 
in uh, I'm heading off to Europe next next week for three weeks. I'm really uh, tomorrow for three weeks. I'm really excited. I'm heading away with my fantastic new fiance. Um, and thank you. <laughs> I will be bringing back uh, a stein of beer um, and some coffee from Italy to give to uh, the winner, which for this week is three points to Parker, two points to Rowie, and one point to Gordon. So. Uh, Matt, do you want to take it away with Parker? Yeah, Parker, what a what a what a leader! You know, he's he's just all you could ask for in a leader. He every week he's there. He's he's really just putting his body on the line. He's clean with the ball. He he gets clearances. He he's skillful. He can take a good mark. He can kick a goal. Um, so this match. What did he get? He got 24 disposals, kicked a goal as well. As I said, 11 tackles, mm-hmm. which was equal highest for the match. And um, four, four centre clearances, which was, um, I think, the equal most for the match as well. Um, 25 pressure acts um, and I think 14 contested possessions out of his 25. So he's kind of just doing, as you say, you know, he's, he's, he's doing park things. You know, that's just what he brings every week. And you also saw him at the the end of the match bringing the boys in, giving them a pep talk, I guess, you know, covering what they did really well, what they need to keep working on. But he, he just has all the signs of a great leader and he's just a quality individual. And I think we were very disappointed that he got that week off for that tackle because you know that, he's never going to intentionally hurt someone. I mean, maybe if it's in the rules, you know. Yeah. If it's in the game. Shoulder or something like that. Yeah. Um, but he wouldn't He wouldn't intentionally sort of try to knock someone out or anything like that. So it's sort of disappointing that he, he was suspended because I see him as a clean skin. He's one of those, you know, archetypal best and fairest players, you know. The fairest is, is there with the best. And, you know, one day... It'd be great if he could um, get a top three finish in the Brownlow, but it's hard with all those sort of elite players around. But I, he, he's just one of those players that I think every every fan would like to have on their own side. Yeah, no, no you nailed it. I think you said it perfectly. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that uh, Parker does in the field that's ever really questionable, is there, like in terms of uh, uh, dodgy hits. He's playing in the hardest part of the field and mm-hmm. one of the hardest players that's been on the field on any other day. And... Just continues to just knock guys over, uh, but also just get the ball cleanly and just get on with it. So a, a true leader in, in many, many ways, not just uh, not just on the field with the team. Um, look, I think it's quite telling we talk about Rowbottom next for this two points. So Rowbottom, with it, as you mentioned just before, fantastic game, just a couple extra stats to throw in there. 15 contested possessions, uh, best on ground, I think, for Swannies. 13 um, ground ball gets, which is best on ground. 11 tackles, as you said, mm-hmm. uh, best on ground alongside with uh, Parker. So last week, without seeing Parker around, it seemed like he was given the license to get more of the ball, to play less pressure, because his game has been, for what you, know, for what you could see, mostly based on pressure. He might get their second. If he's not getting their second, he's plugging in a hole. He's, he's sitting on someone to make sure they don't go forward, and he's made quite a good uh, little career of it in his early days. With the game off last week that Parker had, it seemed that Rowie got license to go out there and get your own ball. And he had a stellar of a game. He played really well. He got plenty of the ball, much more than we normally saw. And we saw some really good stuff from him. 
And again, for this week, as you said, all the stats are showing that he is really doing quite well, managing to get his own ball, also put pressure on 11 tackles, man. That's mm-hmm. wild. So is this is the question that I had for you. Is this the Sheldrick effect? Is this the fact that we have another hard nut going out there just tackling guys crazy and letting Robottom a little bit loose to get some more of his own ball? I think that's an interesting point that this is something that could start to have an impact with Sheldrick in the side is that some of that, that grunt work that Rowie does, I mean, obviously he's going to be still doing that. That's his game. But that sort of dependence on him to get the clearances um, might be taken off his shoulders a little bit, some of that weight. So Gus being a clearance beast, being contested beast, will we'll, we'll take some of that pressure off Rowie and Rowie might be freed up a little bit to start getting a bit more of the ball. Um, I mean, Rowie's never going to be an outside player, but just that inside to outside stuff, he might be able to start getting getting that into his game a bit more. Also, just getting around the ground a little bit more and, um, you know, not always having to worry about the defensive side of his game and starting to to sort of work on his, the attacking side of his game a bit more, which I think, you know, we've seen him score a few goals this year, which has been good. Mm. Um, so that might start to emerge a bit more, that he'll, he'll start kicking more goals, um, but also just start getting a bit more uncontested ball as well, potentially. Yeah, I, I hope so. I, I, I've been a big fan of his for years. I think he's I think he's great. I think he fits really well. And I, I think it was quite telling when he told the media once, I, I think it was at the beginning of this season perhaps, or maybe, no, I think it was like coming into the final season last year when he basically said, look, I know my role is just to tackle. My, my role is out there to pressure, and that's what I've been doing. I've been focusing on that. So he got given a role, and he's going out to do it. He's a midfielder that doesn't get 20-plus touches, so people just write him off. They're like, oh, it's not that good. And yeah, he has the errant kick, but you know, to be fair, so did Joey. He wasn't the greatest field kick in the world either. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's more the fact that he's now probably being given a bit of a license now that he's nailed down his role in tackles and pressure, that he's being able to now think outside of that. They're starting to give him a little bit more responsibility and you know, playing against a very good midfield uh, that includes you know, Neil, who's uh, mm-hmm. you know, Brownlow um, and could compete for Brownlow any given, any given year. Um, it's it's pretty telling. It's very. I'm very happy with the way that he's kind of progressing. Yeah, and to your point, I think he is quite good in, in front of goal. Um, yeah. Something in the top top of my head makes me feel like he has a, a pretty good average. So I'm just going to quickly look it up. I think he's good with the snaps, particularly like when he hmm. when he gets those um, crumbing goals, where it's, hmm. it's sort of front and center or front and square in those snaps. He he doesn't seem to miss those. I think he's. Not as great with his set shots, mm. um, but that that tends to affect a lot of players when that you know, think about it too much and they might not have a really good goal kicking routine. But yeah, yeah it's funny because I, I I don't think he's a poor kick, but he does sometimes spray the ball a bit. So and I'm not sure what the cause for that is, whether it's just a technique thing or maybe you know tiredness because he he does work so hard that sometimes maybe his legs have a bit of too much lactic acid. <laughs> Great excuse for him. But um, yeah, I love the way it goes about it. And yeah, so 55% kicking average uh, in front of goal, uh, which is, yeah, not, not, not bad, bad, not terrible. Um, yeah. But also consider that like um, 
you know, this is during his junior years. He's only five years into it. So, yeah. um, but it is what it is. Like, he seems to be pretty decent in front of goal, which makes yeah. me happy. Yeah. We, we do forget how young he is. I think he's, yeah. he's still 22 or is he 23 now? Oh, good question. Yeah. Uh, let's have a quick I think he's um, 22 still. 22, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what were you doing at 22? Were you playing for the Sydney Swans? I sure as hell <laughs> wasn't. I, I was just. Um, Pickling my body with alcohol, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think I was uh, w- wandering around the streets on a Friday night, not sure who I was at that point. Like, yeah, that's, that's about what you expect at 22. Yeah. So good on you, mate. And I just, just, I know I'll quickly wrap up with him. Uh, myself and Noddy in particular have been hell-bent that I think he's going to be captain one day. Mm. He's just got that mannerism. He's fantastic in front of camera. He's very well dialed. He's very calm. Mm. Um, I think Gordon is just—it's just a matter, matter of seconds before he's also captain. But mm. I, will, I, I suggest that one day we see Rowie uh, with with the big C as well. So yeah, he's got, he's got the leadership vibe to him. Um, just more in how he goes about it and what he demonstrates on the field, because yeah. he know he's always going to give you maximum effort. And I think. You know, through thick or thin, he's going to give you that elite effort, and he's done again that again this year. Even when perhaps you know maybe hasn't been playing as well as he was at, at times last year, but um, you can just tell the efforts there. It's never through fault of that. Yeah, no, yeah. I totally agreed. All right, the uh, row bottom fanboy hour is now officially closed. Uh, we will move on to the next fanboy hour, which is Gordon with the one point, 27 disposals, 19 of them being kicks, eight scoring involvements, best for the Swans. This kid is just brilliant. Oh, beautiful. Mate, what did you think about his game? What did you see that you thought should be pointed out? Did you just go through the stats just then? Just a couple of them, but not all of them. Yeah. So, you know, best for score involvements um, with with eight. And he also had 484 metres gained. He actually had six intercept possessions as well, which goes to that point that you raised earlier of how hard he works. Mm. So he works back into defence as well. Um, scored two goals. And I, I think, you know, that was... Part, part of the problem for us in this match is that we're relying too much on on midfielders um, and wingers and, and, and non-forwards to score. We, we actually need some more marks inside 50 and some of our forwards to, to kick goals. But um, the fact that he's scoring goals, one of those was actually from an intercept, I think, where there was a poor kick out and he it was sort of like just came straight to him. It was on a platter. But he, he always finishes, doesn't he? He, he very rarely misses a goal and you know to have that sort of balance he's just got a really well balanced game where it's you know, he's contest, contested game strong he's his outside uncontested game is really strong his skills are, are great and he can also finish he can kick a goal surprisingly when i look at his averages for the year his, his kicking efficiency is actually a bit lower than the average for a midfielder, which I find surprising, but that might also be because he's often picking off very difficult passes. Mm. So it's not like he's going for those easy options. He'll, he'll, he'll pull the trigger and try to pick, you know, this laser-like mm. pass through just, just showing off, yeah. Just showing off, yeah. But um, were there any other sort of parts of his game that you like, Chris? 
Yeah, I think, again, I just like his positioning now. I think that kind of outside slash wingy kind of role that he's playing is just designed for him. It gives him that extra half a second to make a good decision. He runs as hard as they come, and he's making an impact on both parts of the game, offensively and defensively, which is something that someone like a Stevens is always trouble, trouble to do. Like, he's no problem going forward, but going back is a little bit of a struggle, um, or biggest struggle. But, um, yeah, like, Gordon's just managing to solidify himself into, like, a fantastic AFL player in, was that, year three and a half, or whatever it ends up being? Yeah. Do, we, do we count COVID? So, um yeah, I'm just really, really happy. Uh, I, I do want to see him more with the ball, uh, mm. and he's seemingly trying to find a way. I'm just wondering, is are they figuring him out? Uh, not figuring him out, sorry. Are they finding ways to limit his touch of the ball? Or is it is this what we're expecting for his numbers? Because I know he's just been able to crank it every now and then and getting, you know, 30-something, 41 yeah. against, uh, was it Collingwood or whatnot? Um, yeah, so I don't know what he's got ahead of him, but he, he can always do it, right? 30, sorry, 39 was the maximum he's gotten, but yeah, yeah he, he's, he can do a lot with it. So he I don't know whether they're figuring him out, but he's out there. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's still hard to know exactly where he's going to play his best footy. I think, you know, he probably does have to go into the middle eventually a bit more than what he is now. So how many, you know, he had like seven centre bounce attendances this game, mm-hmm. but he has had... That's been increasing over the year because, you know, we required him to go in, in cyber when some of our mids went down and we lost Mills, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but we kind of like him on the wing, don't we? So it's sort of, you rob Peter to play Paul. Well, no, rob Peter to pay Paul, I think it is, isn't it? Um, don't ask me. I'm, <laughs> rob, <laughs> I'm so bad still, at Silly idiomatic expressions. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it would be great having two of him, wouldn't it? You'd have one on the inside. Yep. One on the outside, on the wing, and then problem solved. Yep, yep, exactly. He's he's an absolute gun. Um, he is the I don't know, probably the number one. Um, uh, the, I think the most uh, fanned over player in the team outside of say Millsy and Parker, right? Yeah. And even then, I'd, I'd put a question mark over it because there's not a single Swans fan that even questions him. <laughs> like, it's just like, yeah, he's a gun. He's so he's so exciting, and you can totally understand why. He's he's three seasons in, and he's as dominant as he is, and as exciting as he is, and the quality of play that he's doing. He's not cheaping it out. He's not getting these cheap uh, halfback numbers up. It's 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 work and effort. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and it's it's not lost on Swans fans. So, yeah, uh, big big career ahead. Mm-hmm. Mate, um, let's go down to notable players. Any other players that you felt didn't get any biscuits or coffee beans or steins of beer, but probably deserved a bit of love? Yeah, I mean, we've mentioned a couple of them. For example, Campbell and Amadi. Um, so Campbell had the the 519 metres game, which was, I think, third for both, you know, across the whole match yep. for both teams. Um, and, yeah, there's those couple. I got one, was it one goal in the end? But yeah, just, he was great. Marty with his contested marking. Um, so equal first contested marks with three and had seven inside fifties, which was actually equal first for the, the whole match wow. as well. He had about 350 meters gained as well. And yeah, Blakey, I think also did quite well with his intercept possessions and cracking his head into the post 
<laughs> yeah, good on you, Blakey. Head is hard. Hard yeah. to come. Well, speaking of hard heads, hey, Sheldrick, I think he's going pretty, pretty well. The beef uh, yeah. is, mate, the beef is a killer. He, um, yeah, come into the game, second game playing pure inside, um, and you can see why people are excited about it. He's, he's, he's pretty tough. He's hard as a cat's head. What? Isn't he? <laughs> That's what Kenny Bateson referred to him, to him as when we drafted <laughs> him. So I'm not right. sure if that was the only KPI, KPI for his his drafting, but yeah, it just means that he's very, very tough because apparently cats have super tough heads. I've got a cat. Uh, I don't know how hard a head is. But I can tell you how stoic she is. You can do the coolest things ever, and she'll just look at you like you're an idiot. <laughs> so, um, I guess, yeah, maybe, yeah, we can go with that. We can go with that. But yeah. what about his goals? I mean, yeah, that uh, right foot goal from I think it was about 40 meters mm. was beautiful. I mean, that's on his non-preferred, and lefties traditionally aren't that good on their non-preferred. I mean, look at Buddy for example. How many? How many times has he kicked it on his right foot? Well, <laughs> the whole AFL makes a big deal out of every time he does. So yeah, that's, that's too many, yeah. But little little beef is just uh, bombing them from 40 on his right foot. So, yeah, he's showing he's very skillful as well. Yeah, yeah. The beef is getting it inside, outside, doing a good job. And like I said, this we've all known that what we've been missing is another insider, another yeah. tough insider. Definitely huge hole in, in the ground. And, no, and even... Exemplified when we didn't have a backline, so we had to throw Millsy outside to go half back, and then of course that we had to, it, the blaring hole was even more obvious. So yeah, him coming in is just brilliant. Really happy. Um, when we go to play against someone like the Cats, uh, mm. I want to see him still play and definitely get his role in there to see how he can bring his task to uh, good teams. But mm. very happy. I mean, yeah. uh, the beef is good. And he, and, he, and he keeps his place. I mean, he's, yep. he, he's just going to go from strength to strength with some continuity in this game. And, yeah, he's, he's spending time, with, which we all want to see, in the middle. So, yeah, that's going to be great for his development. Yep, exactly. Perfect. So, Kinnear Beatson with uh, the cat's head, hard as a cat's head. All yeah. these sayings by footballers, like, I don't hear, I've never heard many of them. Like, the other one that was last year was the, what was it, um... The the no no duck no dinner how was it all dinner no duck yeah all duck, no, all duck no dinner all duck no dinner thank you I I'm assuming that means they don't do things but I I still don't quite get it um, <laughs> but they bashed the guy over for saying it uh, and I don't know what it means yeah um, but yeah hard as a cat's head all right Kenya we we'll take it yeah I think I think it sums up and defines Gus quite yeah. well. Awesome. Well, look, post-game, we've got a couple bit of news to go here. So Blakey slammed his head into the thing, went down for HIA protocol, came back and played the rest of the game. I didn't hear anything else. Do you know of anything else that happened that we no, should be worried about? No. I mean, it didn't look good. I was really worried for Blakey because that looked like potential neck injury as well. Mm. But, yeah, he might have some bruising there. So hopefully no delayed concussion symptoms i mean that would be the worst thing but uh, yeah positively I, I don't think there were any other injuries out of the game yeah so uh, i think was a heaney sitting out the game for um delayed concussion as well yeah uh, the same things happened to uh, fox. 
Foxy, yeah, and Hickey. Hickey, yeah. So this got me thinking, and again, we love our conspiracy theories in this in this channel, so we're all about it. Um, let's get go. Hit pause, put on your aluminium foil hat, and then hit play as I kick off. Um, the delay concussions. It got me thinking that with what's happening with Paddy, and I can totally understand why Paddy Paddy may never play again, and that's perfectly okay. Right, I'm pointing mm. that out there, and I say, for his own health, he's going to make that decision, and he can take as much time as he needs to make that decision. There's no questions asked. If there's a Swans fan in the world that doesn't agree with me, they're broken. Right, don't listen mm. to them. Um, Tommy McCarden, of course, um, still sitting out with concussion. We don't know what's happening with him. We we don't really have much of an update they give us. I can appreciate why they're being particularly tight with him especially what's happened to his brother whether there's some kind of cause for concern between the brothers or whether he's just wanting to sit out to just see what happens with his brother i have no problems either one of those they take their sweet time um but it also got me thinking that the doctor's under a lot of pressure the swans doctor in particular is under a lot of pressure because we probably know that something's going to happen to patty on his way out right mm -hmm. um and it's already been said that doctors are really upset with the way that the AFL has approached this because they're kind of washing their hands of it and suggesting that the doctors had something to do with it. Like, it's up to the doctors. You know, oh, the doctors tell us what to do and we supply by them. So it wouldn't surprise me if the Swans doctor is being particularly uh, trigger happy when it comes mm -hmm. to applying delayed concussions. Not that, I don't, not that I disagree, but I'm just saying I wonder whether this is part of the reason why we've seen players kind of hitting out on and off whether our doctors being yeah really really full on about making sure that no one hits the field that shouldn't have and even questionable about what what do you think Matt are you on board or uh, yeah. are you taking your aluminium foil slow, slowly <laughs> off and then walking into the distance? No, I think there's probably some validity to that because yeah, I think they'll all be very overly cautious in the current environment because you know there's threat of prosecution even if. Mm. You know, people don't um, protect players as much as possible. So, and I, I like it. I mean, I like the over precautionary approach because, you know, these are people's lives and, you know, they live for a long time after football. They have families and, you know, we, we love to see them play. We love to see them, you know, put their bodies on the line. But the, at the end of the day, we're not doing it. So yeah. when they're being paid well, we can do it, obviously. But still, like, we do want their, them to, to live healthy lives. So, you know, I'm happy if it means, you know, a player sitting out for, for an extra week or two here and there, then I'm all for, all for it. Yeah, I wonder what the new world looks like as well, based on that. Uh, I wonder whether this is going to be the more regular scene that you might mm. see. Um, it'd be interesting to see whether Blakey does uh, sit out this week just as a precautionary me uh, measure. But either way, it is what it is. We we've got to fill up a team anyway. Injuries do happen. Um, people sit weeks off, so um, mm. you just need depth. Um, it is yeah. what it is. So. Um, okay, well, if we move on quickly, MRO, we've spoken about Wixie, he got himself his two weeks. Any questions there, mate? Do you suggest it more, less in between? No, I mean, I think it was one or two. I think, you know, the the impact wasn't that strong. Obviously, it wasn't comfortable for the player that he hit, but it wasn't like a risk of concussion or anything like that. But um, I think just the kind of the look of it and the act itself, as it was a non-sort of footballing act, I think two weeks was probably fair enough. And it's pretty clear they're trying to stamp that kind of um, stuff off 
out of the game. It's like off the yeah. ball, you know, late hits. They they don't want they don't like that sight, so they're trying to take that out. If you get yeah. slammed into each other, then they're like, okay. But if you know, but if it's yeah like that, that was pretty lazy. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna smash us. So that's fine. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, let's get to replacements. One of our fun times. Mm. Who do you see coming out? Who do you see coming in? And let me kick this off. Uh, Buddy, is Buddy coming back straight into the game? Yeah, that's a that's an interesting one. I, I guess it depends on Logan because mm. I think he is training again, according to Horse. Horse mentioned in the presser that the post match presser that he is training again, but it still might be too early to bring bring him straight back in. I think if he was coming in, then Buddy could potentially miss another week but Buller probably now that he's got a taste of senior footy he might go back to the VFL just to work on his craft a bit mm-hmm. and Buddy might come back in if Logan's not ready yep okay and um, do you see Buddy's week off that he had as being a legitimate week off because of injury or like me, I suspect that they were just going to give him a rest anyway, and they're saying it's injury, or it's effectively admitted, mm-hmm. and they're saying it's injury to just keep the media out of the, out of the equation. Yeah, I think I think it probably was just a resting type scenario because why would he, if he was seriously injured, why would he fly up to the Gabba to watch the game? Mm. Um, I He might have a niggle in his knee, which is what they cited in the problem. And I think he has had any issues, niggling the issues throughout his career. But um, I think he didn't have a very good preseason or a full preseason because of an operation that he had in in the off season. So um, they're always planning to rest him at, at sort of intervals throughout the season. And I guess those sort of matches where you do travel would probably be good matches to rest in. But he travelled anyway, so I don't know. But um. Yeah, like I, maybe a bit of both, but I probably think it was more that they just wanted to rest him, but they didn't. They wanted to give him an out for maybe also not betting at his best in the last couple of matches. Uh, don't forget, uh, was it Brisbane friggin' Channel Nine or whether it was suggesting that he bought a big house in Brisbane? That's why he was going to move to Brisbane. To play for them. <laughs> that's right. Remember? So yeah. we don't know. Maybe he's going to play for Brisbane next week. Whatever. Channel <laughs> Nine, it. Brisbane Media. Gunston's place. Gunston himself. Yes, that's it. That's something I don't ever imagine Buddy doing. Eh? Just going. You know what? I haven't been playing that good. <laughs> yeah, that's right. yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. All right. Um, so. A couple of other players we might have coming in. So we don't know anything about Tommy, as we said, but we've been suggesting that he's any second now. We don't know. Mm. Um, Logan, we've spoken about whether he comes on or not. Um, he's close-ish for understanding. Heaney, you imagine, walk straight in yeah. um, to throw in there. And then Millsy is the other question. Is he ready to go? Does he come straight in as well? Yeah. Um, if of all the players, did you have any ideas of who you'd probably sit out or... Yeah. Yeah, any strong opinions, I guess, is where I'm heading. Um, it's always a tricky one, team balance and who goes comes in and who goes out. But um, I think, you know, Stevens as a sub probably will go back to the VFL. Yeah. Um, which he didn't have much of an opportunity to sort of have an impact this week, but he probably still does just needs to work on some things in the VFL. Which I think they'll just want him to be in the guts, um, work on that, work on his physicality, work on his tackling and things like that. But he probably 
goes out. Um, Buller probably goes out um, just to continue in the development in the VFL. Plus, our VFL team needs a bloody forward. So. <laughs> <laughs> we can't. Okay, let's get straight into that. We got slammed. 90 something points against Brisbane. Um, yeah. But Brisbane's got an amazing. Uh, they're basically where we were a couple of years ago in terms of just having an entire AFL team playing VFL. Mm. Um, or pretty much half an AFL team ready yeah. playing VFL and, and they don't have to. So, Which is the total opposite to where we are, which we have a lot of young guys playing their first VFL season. Yes. So very different but, setups. Generally speaking, because of our injuries, we've got less AFL listed players in our, in our VFL side, plus the ones that we do have in there pretty much have very little or none or no AFL experience. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, is there still exciting things? Okay, so if if Millsy and Heaney come back in, mm. who drops out? So you're suggesting Stevens probably walks off. Wicks has to drop. Wicks. Wicks. Yep. So it might be it might be Wicks and Buller out of the twenty two. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if someone was a bit at risk of missing out, it could be could be someone like J Mac because we've got some coverage on the wings if we've got Campbell and. And Gordon on the wings, and, and J Max been a little bit Jazzy's been a little bit inconsistent this year, but he, he was sort of working his way back into some form, but didn't do a lot, particularly in the second half of this match. So he's one that could potentially miss. Um, but yeah, like how many do you bring at once? That's the thing. So you know, he wouldn't be. He's not underdone, you know, because he just missed the one week. Yep. Mills, Logan, and T-Mac could all potentially be a bit underdone. Mm. Maybe more so Logan. He might need a bit bit more time. So I, I wouldn't think we'd bring in more than two or three at any one time of those players that, are, that have missed quite a lot of football. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. probably makes sense. and Probably sit a couple of them into the VFL just to run run their legs over mm. for a half a game to remember the speed of it all. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Tommy sat out for, what, eight weeks, nine weeks now? So mm. it's been a long, long time. He probably mm. needs a, a, a game to rest off. But he's probably also been able to do a bit more work on the track than, say, yeah. something like Logan with his ankle injury. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, good yeah. point. Well, we are playing against the Eagles at the SCG. Um, I'm unhappy that I will miss it. <laughs> and as Noddy said, if this team doesn't win against the Eagles, do we start tanking and going for Harley Reid? <laughs> That's right. I mean, surely we get it done at our... Oh, we haven't played well at the SCG this year, but yeah. surely, surely we get it done with um, getting some of our troops back and the Eagles severely struggling. Like, we, we're, we're competitive, you know. We're, we're still yeah. competitive. We, we haven't been missed losing by very much when we do lose. Our percentage is pretty good at some, like, 98 or something like that. Mm. Whereas what's the... The Eagles are on 51%. That's almost, like, under 10 sort of percentage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, let's look at the ladder. Like, Port Adelaide coming first. Um, they beat us by only that tiny, tiny little margin. The freaking mm. kick at the goal, kick at the siren there. Poor Ollie uh, couldn't get it done at the end of the game with those sore legs. Um, Collingwood, we held off pretty well for half mm-hmm. a game, um, I felt. Um, yeah. Let's not talk about the Ds. Uh, Brisbane, we just played. We played you know, pretty bad. well against them. Yeah. St. Kilda, we played pretty well against them. Yeah, pretty well um, much. 
yeah yeah exactly so i think for the most part i'm pretty content uh, of the way we've been going so yeah playing against the last placed eagles is going to be uh, make it, i'm going to be more nervous about this game than others um because at yeah, some point they have to do something right is it going to be this week i don't yeah, know yeah um it's just because of the potential embarrassment that might come from it but yeah um like i can't actually even share anything about the eagles because i just haven't really been watching them play at all oh, so, what's the point <laughs> so it's, yeah it's a tough watch and it's actually bad for the integrity of the competition yeah. at the moment um so it would be very dire if we lost to the eagles so i don't see that happening yeah yeah how do you feel about people suggesting that they should get a priority pick no they've mismanaged their their list yeah and yeah they've been unfortunate with injuries which has sort of compounded that yeah. Um, but so we, I mean, we've been probably not to that, that extent this year. We've had a lot of injuries, um, but we're not as garbage as they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't understand. Like, I can appreciate the argument where someone's like, "Oh, North Melbourne Eagles." I don't like it. I would say, "No, yeah. of course not." Like, why do they deserve the one? They've just mismanaged their entire club. Mm. Um, same with Hawthorne, you know, you held on to your old guys too long. West Coast mm. the same. Like, they won the competition five years ago. Why are we giving them a priority pick now? Like, yeah, exactly. It's not like they've been in dire straits for 30 years. They've just no. been ordinary for two powerful. years. Yeah, and they're one of the most, one of the wealthiest and most powerful clubs, really, because yeah. they've got a massive fan base and massive membership base, and they've got great facilities. It's, it's sort of... It's not fair to compare them to North, for example, who have been really struggling financially and with their support levels from yeah. fans. So they've just got a naturally smaller supporter base anyway, North, and they've been doing poorly for a number of years now. So the, the priority pick made more sense with Kangas. I wouldn't like to see it for the Eagles. Yep, I agree. And also don't want the Kangas to get anything for booing Goodsy at his last game. Suffering your jocks. See you at last place, guys. All the best here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, How's Clarkson going for you? Anyway, I'll stop. I'm very, <laughs> they, I'm very passionately against them altogether. Well, Mate, I don't give tips. Uh, I don't do it since the Bombers game last year. Do you want to uh, give uh, any tips for the game? No, but I guess you know what would we what would we be happy with in terms of a win? Obviously, we're not accepting a loss, but for a win, what are what are we happy with in terms of the differential? Uh, it's not for me. It's not necessarily differential. Although I will squirm if we get anything under forty. Okay. Yeah. So so let okay. I just I guess I guess this answered your question. But it's more the the yeah. effort around yeah. the quality of play, the linking play. Basically, this is a team that is not good at all mm. in the AFL footy. We should be running circles around them, and that's what I want to see. I want to see the same team that put it up to Carlton, St Kilda, and Brisbane. That same quality team against the Eagles. That's where I would stand. Yeah, yeah, me too. Just that consistency of effort. And I think that's what we've been struggling with is just a four-quarter consistent effort. Where, like the effort's been there, but the execution just breaks down at different stages and, and some of the basics we're not doing well at times during games and we're giving opposition easy goals through stupid free kicks and things like this. So we just want to see a kind of cohe cohesive four-quarter effort, don't we? Yep, 100%. Well, that's that's the one there. So with no tips from either of us, but basically we should get up is, is, is the commentary here. Um, yes. 
Wrapping up to one last thing, I went to watch the footy on Friday night at the Tudor, and the Tudor's in Redfern for anyone interested. So if there's any Swans fans out there, Sydney side, that are interested in watching a game somewhere, I can guarantee to you that Bruce and the uh, Tudor in Redfern is a fantastic AFL venue. Um, they show all of the games. They make sure that the sound sound is on, the heat is on, everything, flags are up, your, your beer specials are going, everything is set up really nicely. Um, to give you guys a bit of an indication, there are some, in quotations, Swans pubs that people suggest in Sydney that are not Swans pubs. And for those down in Melbourne, uh, I will tell you this much, and you'll be surprised. If you go into a pub in Sydney and ask for the AFL to put on, be put on, that's an argument in itself. Secondly, if you ask for the sound to get put on, that's another argument that they'll probably suggest no to. That's the direst state of things in Sydney still, uh, however many years later, that we are still dealing with. Mm. So to have a pub that is going to guarantee put it on, not only put it on, you'll be surrounded by Swans fans, um, they'll all be dressed up, and you'll get the big screen, big TV, good food and drinks, everything going on. The Tudor at Redfern is fantastic. I was there with Sandra, super Swans fan Sandra, um, on uh, Friday night, um, and we had a ball of a time. Uh, so if you do go, make sure you ask for Bruce. Tell him that Bob... Uh, Bevy of Bloods sent you, and he'll uh, talk your ear off. He's got a lovely little dog uh, and a good crack over there at the Tudor in Redfern. So, Matt, thank you, thank you so much for joining in, mate. I much appreciate it. Um, we'll have you on, no doubt, in the future. Um, Thanks very much. Yeah, no worries at all. Hopefully get up for uh, West Coast. We'll see you at the SCG. And until then, up the Bloods and can you Swannies! <laughs>